week six of the Amen series. We've been uh, through five weeks. Pastor Dusty done an awesome job last week uh, talking to us about uh, sharing and uh, serving and how that uh, we are to do that in our lives and how that he pulled that out of gospel of john and how that jesus was speaking to his disciples to serve each other uh, this week kind of falls in line with that somewhat but i think we're going to come away with a different ideal about serving uh, others through this message today so this is week six we're going to look at john chapter 13 um, let's if you'll put up your scripture for john chapter 13 we're going to look at uh, three different verses, so if you'll stand as we three, read through these three different verses, it's verse 16, 20, and 21, and John talking and writing down what Jesus said to the disciples in that upper room that night. He said, verse 16, I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. I tell you the truth, anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now Jesus was deeply troubled, and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we pray that you would just open our hearts, open our minds. Lord, that we could understand through this Amen series, Lord, how that you speak truth in our lives. And, God, that you would just uh, put your word in our heart, Lord, that we wouldn't sin against you. Lord, that you would just allow us to know what's right, what's wrong, that your Holy Spirit would be welcomed in our lives, and he would let us know what's right and what is wrong. We thank you for him. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says amen. You can be seated. So it's awesome here in John chapter 13 as John's writing down this uh, timeline of events that he experience with Jesus and how that he lived and uh, walked and ate and how they did life together him and the other disciples and Jesus uh, did life together and it's amazing to me uh, that uh, if we're going to serve each other we have to be around each other amen so the church is what Jesus modeled with his disciples he was discipling what uh discipleship looks like and as a church that's one of our five pillars that we believe in as a church as you look around the room of the things the five core values of Bethesda and discipleship motivated is one of them I want to be a disciple of Jesus I want him to disciple me amen Jesus don't need to be discipled by us we need to be discipled by him so as we read this today and understand as John's writing this down, he had experienced being discipled by Jesus. And today I want us to see that sometimes our lives, we wander away and we veer away from a Christ-centered lifestyle. There's a few that believes it. Even as Christians, we get off of the straight and narrow path that Jesus talks about. We veer away. It wasn't he that left us, but we that left him. So in discipleship, Jesus always coaches and brings back his disciples. He, he, he draws them back to himself. And I, I believe in this message series that Jesus is drawing us back to himself. He's drawing us back to his word. 
And if, if we listen to his word, if his word is engrafted in our heart and we live out his word, we will live a better life. I really believe that. If we, if we hide the word of God in our heart, the Bible says that we won't sin against him. How many is tired of sinning in your life? If you're tired of sinning, get the word of God in your life, and then when you get the word of God in your life, you'll know not to sin. Amen. Because the word is what speaks to us. The word is truth. And it's what Christ wants for us. And as I think about that this past week when I went away on my trip, I took off. And when I was driving down the road and I'd listen to a radio station for a while, I was like, man, I'm sick of listening to the news. Anybody get sick of listening to the news? The presidential election and all the garbage that's going on and that. And I was like, I'm sick of listening to the news and this and that. And finally I was like, why don't I just listen to the Bible for a while? So I picked up my phone and went to Blue Letter Bible. It will read the Bible to you. You don't have to read it. It'll read it to you. And my car's got Bluetooth in it now, so I hit it Bluetooth, and it comes through the speakers in my car, the Bible being read to me. I was going for an eight-hour trip, and multiple hours of that, the Bible was being read to me. And whenever the Word of God gets in you, it emboldens you, it empowers you to live that Christ-centered lifestyle. And we need that in our lives. So even if you don't, hi, baby, even if it seems like there's times in your life that you don't have time to read the Bible. There's times when you're riding in your car that you could let the Bible be read to you. Amen? That where, where the uh, Word of God can get in you. So it's we can't have excuses. I don't think we can get to heaven someday and say, Jesus, I tried to live for you, but I was just too busy. That's what it's going to be. We're going to stand before him and give an account for every idle word and every action we've done in our life. Or are we going to stand there and say, Jesus, I really loved you and everything, but I was too busy living my life for what I wanted to do. This is scary. So as I've thought about this sermon series and how that Jesus had lived with his disciples for these three years, and it's at the end of the road. This is where Jesus knows he's getting ready to, to die on the cross, and he's telling them, and he's explaining it to his disciples, and he's trying to give them clues so that they'll know that something's getting ready to happen. His disciples, even though he was telling this, they didn't get the picture. Does that sound like anybody you know? Jesus tells you stuff, his word tells you stuff, and sometimes we just don't get the picture. So as Jesus is explaining to him, and he's he's talking to him, and he I love this uh, portion of scripture in John chapter thirteen where Jesus gets his disciples and huddles down in this upper room. And he's, it's a secluded place. It isn't where the, a place that everybody's going to be. Everybody is not going to be there. It's Jesus and his disciples. There needs to be moments in our lives where that it's not just about uh, everybody, but it's about us with other disciples with Jesus. The moments of truth, the moments of, of impartation, the moments of where Jesus is dealing with you. When was the last time that you truly felt like that God was dealing with your heart? That Jesus was speaking to you in a specific manner and it felt like that is exactly for me. So Jesus gets his disciples there and, and he, he gets them in this room and, and I love it that uh, we done communion there a few weeks ago where Jesus broke bread with them and he's meeting with them. But this time it's different. 
And Jesus meets with them, and he gets them in the room, and he gets a towel, and he's going to wash their feet. He washes their feet. We did this a few years ago at uh, Carter Case during the camping trip. Uh, we done a foot washing ceremony. Some churches believe that this is an ordinance of the church, that it's something you have to do like that we do communion. We believe communion is an ordinance of the church. I don't believe that foot washing is an ordinance of the church, but I do believe that it, it, it uh, is symbolic of something that we as a church need to see from time to time. I'm not going to wash anybody's feet today, but it's just the picture of that, that it's true servanthood, a servant's heart. And in, in my life, in my personal, you know, my life, my uh, professional life and on my job and stuff and some of the different places that God's taken me to in some of my jobs, I hear leadership training and, and you hear these uh, worldly people. I'm talking about people of the world that don't know Jesus don't care about Jesus, don't care about God, don't care about any of that. They talk about this term, and they call it servant leadership. They talk about it all the time. You get in a board meeting room, and you've got people that, that's far from God, and they're talking about servant leadership. This is a leadership principle that works whether you're in the church or in the world. If you serve, <laughs> that's humbling yourself. And if you humble yourself, God empowers you and promotes you. The Bible even says he'll take you before kings. A humble person, a humble servant will be somebody that is, is promoted in this life. And even the, the, the greedy world that we... But there's this uh, mentality that if you serve in leadership, it's the best model. I've heard this from a CEO of a hospital. He said this often, that servant leadership is the best model of leadership in an organization. I'm just wondering who in this room has served who and how long has it been? This is when it gets personal. When was the last time you humbled yourself and served somebody else for their benefit and not your benefit? So as Dusty alluded last week, I loved it that he brought out these points that, that there's, there's, there's reasons to serve. There's absolutely reasons to serve. And, and the Bible is so, uh, it promotes serving others. It teaches to serve others. So this servant leadership that I'm talking about is something we ought to do, and it ought to be important enough that we want to do it. So just in thinking back right now, when was the last time you served anybody? If you can't think of anything, then I'm going to hope and pray that the Holy Spirit will wake in your heart. Serving isn't about, it don't have to be about doing things. Maybe it's just a phone call. When somebody's down and you know that they're dealing with some struggles in life and maybe you know that there's, a, when they come in church on a weekly basis that you see that there's pain on their face. Maybe it's just you giving them a phone call and saying, hey, I was thinking of you this week, I'm praying for you. That's serving somebody else. 
So as a church, if we're going to have this servant leadership mentality, it's got to come from the top down. So I want to exemplify this. I want to be an example of somebody that serves others. I can't count the number of times that I, I sit on my phone and I text people and say, I love you. And I just wonder, does that trickle down? When you get that text from me, do you send it on to somebody else? How long has it been since you texted more than 10 people in one day that you loved them? I'm not talking about just texting maybe your, your son or your daughter, maybe your mom or dad. How long has it been since you made a list and said, I'm going to text these 10 people or I'm going to communicate with them. I don't care if it's texting. It could be email. It could be writing a personal letter and putting it in the mailbox with an old-fashioned uh, stamp on it. I don't care how you communicate with people. I'm talking about communicating that you love somebody. As a church, we have to adopt this principle that people need to know that they're loved. I don't want it just coming from me. I'm urging you, I'm asking you as your pastor today, by the, with the love of God, will you start sending out a notification to people that you love them? Whether it's by a phone call, it's a text message, it's email, I don't care how you do it, start doing it. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor Ben. I know I seem grouchy today, but that's okay. We lost an hour of sleep. It's all right to be grouchy today. And as I think about this message and what God is saying through this scripture, as Jesus is telling his disciples that they need to love each other, that they need to show each other that they love each other. He said, as I'm doing this today, as I get down on my knees with my towel and I wash your feet today, do this for your fellow believers, do this for your fellow brothers throughout the remainder of time. He wasn't talking about washing feet. He was talking about a principle of serving somebody else. It wasn't about washing feet. It was about esteeming yourself lower than your brother. Too much pride in the world we live in today. So as Jesus is teaching this and he's telling this, he says, there's somebody in this room. I've got 12 disciples. I've got 12 people that I'm trying to uh, promote the kingdom of God and teach them the kingdom of God. I've got 12 people. And out of the 12, there's somebody here that's going to serve their own purposes. And they're going to sell me out for 30 pieces of silver. There's somebody here going to sell me out for 30 pieces of silver. How many of those, if you've been around somebody in a core group of 12 people with Jesus being your leader for the past three years, you, you should know those people pretty well. I'm talking about these people did life together. It wasn't just go to uh, church on Sunday. This was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. This was life together. They up their occupation of, of fishing. They gave up tax collecting. They gave up uh, all kinds of jobs that they had, these different jobs. And they gave up their jobs to serve Jesus and follow Jesus. And when they was traveling with him, everywhere he went, they went. 
So for three years, they was around these people daily. How many get sick of people? I, w- I want to raise my hand. How many get sick of being around people? If you're around them more than three or four days in a row, you start getting sick of them. Yeah? It's like your work buddies sometimes. You know, you go on this job, and you got, you're got you on this job, and, you, and I, Brandon knows how it is. On shutdown type work, you get on you know, get the construction bubble knows how it is. You get with the same crew and you're there with them for three, four, five, maybe six months at a time. And eventually people start, it starts, it's like, uh, I d- I'm just going to avoid them. I'm going to stay away from them today. I don't feel like dealing with them today because we know their personalities, right? So when Jesus says, and maybe if you don't think that, maybe everybody else is thinking about you. Just letting you know. Maybe if you don't try to avoid people, maybe you're the one that's trying to, everybody else trying to avoid. I don't know. It could be. And But here Jesus is telling, you know, somebody's going to give up on me. Somebody's going to walk back and sell me out. And they all start looking around the room, it says. How many knows whenever Jesus says, and there's only 12 of you, and he says, somebody in this room is going to, they're going to sell me out. Everybody starts looking around the room like, I don't think it's me. It must be you, (laughs) right? They start looking around. And the Bible says that they start looking around, and Peter, being the goofball that he is, can you say goofball? Yeah, goofball, that's what he was, I think. So the goofball that he is, he's like, well, i got to know who that's going to be. I think he would probably kill him the way that most other scriptures that you find out how Peter acted. He cut people's ear off. He, He done all kinds of stupid stuff. So Peter starts looking around, and he's like, who is it? i, I got to know who it is. Let me tell you something. When you start looking for everybody else's faults, you ain't serving nobody. You're serving yourself. And as a church, we can't be a church that looks around and thinks we've got servant leadership when we're looking for the faults of everybody else. Is anybody listening to me? If you are looking for others' faults and not your own, you're doing it wrong. Because Peter had plenty of faults to live through himself. Yep, she shook her head yes, she believed me. So Peter's doing this, and then not only was he a person that wanted to know, he knew the person that could get the answer. So Peter knows somebody in this room is going to kill somebody. Jesus just told us, i got to know, so now i got to figure out who can I get that information from because I probably won't be able to get it myself from Jesus, but I know somebody who can. Pretty cool story. So Peter looks over, and he looks at, and the Bible says here, John's writing about himself. He said, there was a disciple that Jesus loved. He, he loved this person. And as Jesus loved this person, this one disciple, and he's leaning over against Jesus. Somebody's pretty close to Jesus, right, leaning over. He's okay. So as, as this is happening, and she, this disciple is leaning over against Jesus, And whenever he's laying over against him, Peter knows that person that's close to Jesus can get the information I want. Can get the information I need. 
I'm wanting to challenge and question other people's motives and intents, I've got to find somebody that's close to Jesus to get that information. So as he looks over and he, he looks at John and he whispers, he said, see if you can get out of Jesus who it is. See if you can get this information. And whenever I've read this story, it began to, uh, I begin to look at it from a perspective that I never had before when reading the Bible. Peter had a controlling issue. He had to be in control. Let me tell you something. If you've got a control issue, you ain't serving anybody. Wasn't a whole lot of amens on that. Maybe I'll try this side. If you've got a control issue, you're not serving anybody. So if we want to be a church of servants, we're not going to be a church of control freaks. That's right. Yeah, I preach it, Pastor Ben. That's exactly right. You can't be control freaks and be a disciple of Jesus. It's truth. We don't like hearing this type of message because it's stepping on our toes, but I'm telling you, we need to hear it from time to time. And there's, let me tell you something. There's a little bit of control freak in every one of us. Earl, you're kind of a control freak, man. Just got to point you out. Yep. Brandon, control freak. Yep. I, just part of it. See, he's trying to control his kid right now. Poor little fella just wanting to go up there and hang out with Sister Joanne. Brandon's like, no, get away from her. <laughs> there's control freaks in all of us. And I can tell you without, there's no doubt in my mind that people that control others are not serving anybody. And if we want to be a church of servants, we've got to give up on our control. Look at your neighbor and say, quit controlling other people. Uh, not everybody's saying it. I didn't hear it very loud. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, quit controlling people. You've got issues. He's trying to control people. You got issues, man. There's something going on. Peter had issues. He was trying to control John to get the information he was wanting from Jesus. And it's just like that in the church. When a church becomes a control-centered church, that it's it's so uh, it's like they have to have their hands on everything. That's one thing I love about Bethesda is it's is we've got multifacets of ministry that Amy and Earl handle the children's ministry and, and Albie and Dusty handle the youth ministry and, and Leslie and myself, we handle the adults the best we can. And there's different I don't ask them, I don't make them tell me every move they make because I don't have to control their ministry. I don't have to have control of that. They give me information. They tell me when there's trouble or they ask me for advice from time to time. But I don't control their ministry. I don't want to be a control freak as a pastor. I've saw churches where pastors were control freaks and it doesn't end well. So I'm telling you today, I am here as your pastor to serve. I want to be a servant. I want a servant's heart myself. And sometimes it takes a, a, a moment in my life where that I, I look at God and say, you know what, God, I need to be more humble. Pride creeps in my heart. Maybe that don't happen to none of you, but I'm telling you right now openly before you that pride creeps in my heart from time to time. And when it does, I need a, a, a teaching moment from Jesus of whatever I'm going through in life that he'll say, and I, it, 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 
it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying, you're too proud. You think too highly of yourself. You're thinking too much of yourself. Just a few weeks ago, I was driving to work one morning and, and, and just thinking about things I was going to do that day. And, and I began to think through some stuff. And I thought, you know, I'm pretty blessed and, and thinking about what I've done in life and been able to do. And the Holy Spirit checked like that. And I prayed, God, whatever you do, make me more humble. No, no matter what title, what position, and it, where I was elected president, this was before that happened, I was praying, God, whatever happens in, in this election that's going on, whatever you want to do in my life, but whatever you do, God, make me humble. I want to be a servant to the people around me. When was the last time you prayed a prayer and said, God, make me humble? I'm asking you to do something that I've done. I'm not asking you to do something I haven't done. I'm asking you to do something I have done. So my prayer is for us today is to see that when Peter was asking John for this information, and John does it. The sad part is, John does what Peter asked him. This disciple of Jesus, the disciple, it says right here in this text in John 13, that this is the disciple that Jesus loved. It's being controlled by somebody else in the movement. It's as simple as that. Peter looks over, whispers John, find out who it is. Jesus just said somebody's a traitor in this group of our 12. I want to know who it is. Find out from Jesus. John leans over to Jesus, leans on his bosom, it says. says, Lord, who is it that will betray you? When John leans over and does that, puts his head on Jesus' shoulder, who is it that will betray you, Jesus? Jesus gazes in because this is the disciple that loves me. And Jesus says, whoever dips the bread after me, that is the one. That is the one. Immediately, Jesus dips his bread, partakes. Another disciple dips his bread right after Jesus did. Judas Iscariot. But I've never looked at this story before. I always look at it from servanthood, from Jesus washing feet, from different perspectives, Ernie. This time, Jesus showed me there's control freaks in the church, and it's time to end. Amen. If you are here to control other people and manipulate other people, this is the wrong place. I want Bethesda to be a church that models servant leadership. And I don't believe there ought to be any of us that goes to somebody else and forces them to do anything to get us information about whatever. I don't want to be like Peter. Peter prayed. Peter preached awesome messages from this point forward. He, he preached the first salvation message in Acts chapter 2. We know the story. Peter's life changed drastically after this point. But up to this point, he was still living. Even though he was a disciple of Jesus, he believed in Jesus. He's the one that said, Jesus, you are the Son of God. 
But here he was manipulating other people. I don't want to be that kind of disciple. So I'm asking us today, if we have control issues, what are we going to do about it? How do you deal with control issues? I know that there are different types of control issues. Now look this up. People control other people through impulse, through emotions, through movement. And I want us as a church to be a church that doesn't manipulate. We don't control. We don't have puppets on strings. So today, how are we going to get out of that mode ourselves? And, and there's many of you here, maybe you're not even, maybe you're half-heartedly paying attention right now, but I'm telling you, there's people that control people. Sometimes it's us controlling our spouse. Maybe we don't even realize it. Maybe we re need a reality check right now where the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, hey, you control freak, you're controlling your spouse. It, has, it doesn't have to be husband to the wife. It can be the wife to the husband. It's not a one-way path here. I've seen relationships of, in marriage where the one person is the dominant and they control the other. shouldn't be that way. The Bible talks about in marriage that, that the husband is, is to uh, uh, love the wife as Christ loves the church and, the, and that the wife is to, to submit to the husband and, and, and cherish him. And, and, uh, but it's not about a control thing. It's not about control. It's about serving each other. And that model is if we want to see how that Christ loved the church, he gave his life for the church. So it isn't about male dominance. It isn't about these things. It's about worshiping God and serving together and finding freedom to, to worship God. So today, maybe you need this, this control message. Maybe this control freak sermon today is about that if we're going to amen it, as this amen sermon series is, that if there's truth in the, in the gospel of John, John is teaching us today there's control freaks in the church and God wants to do something about it. How many in this room today is going to pray, God, if I am a control freak, show me. If I manipulate other people, show me. Holy Spirit, speak to us in this place today and cause us to see ourselves in your light, not in our own. That the gospel would penetrate our heart deeper than it ever has before. That we will see things about ourselves that we've never saw before. That the Holy Spirit brings light and illumination on. I'm praying today that God would break us down and cause us to be servants. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? I think there's something we need to do about it. It's just like... The Bible teaches. The three steps of salvation is pretty clear and it's pretty on point. Repent, believe, and confess. Repent, believe, 
and confess. So today, if there's any control freak people in this room, and I still know that there's parts of that in my life, I still know that I manipulate from time to time in some of my personality traits and the way, just the way I am as a person, my person that I am, that I manipulate people. And I don't want it. I don't want that in my heart. I want freedom to worship God in spirit and in truth. If I'm going to do that, I can't be manipulating people. Everybody don't have to be like them. And I'm glad they're not. If I, if I truly look at myself from God's point of view and God's light in my life, I'll see that I'm not all that in a bag of chips. Amen? You may think more highly of yourself than that. You may wish that everybody's just like you, but I'm telling you today, you're not all that. There's nobody in this room that's got it all together, that you're perfect, and you're this, the perfect example that the whole world needs to live by your standard and just follow you. Are you going to pray today? And if you're going to pray today, you need to pray to repent first. Repent. What does repent mean? What does it mean to repent? Repent means to turn away from, to turn around from, to go the other direction. So if I'm telling you today that God's going to illuminate your heart and the Holy Spirit is going to work in you in this room today, that whenever he begins to work on you, the first thing you need to do is repent. And that's where you walk, turn and make a willful decision that I'm going to turn around and I'm going the other way because I'm tired of dealing with the consequences of the things I've been doing. If we're going to repent, we've got to turn around. We've got to go somewhere else. So we need to repent today. What's it mean to believe? Repent, believe, confess. What does it mean to believe? To believe means to truly trust in. When the Holy Spirit illuminates this in your heart today, and I'm telling you right now, he's getting ready to awaken hearts that maybe, maybe you've not felt God deal with you for a while, but today is the day where he's going to deal with you. Here in just a few minutes, you're, the Holy Spirit is going to begin to show you some things that you haven't seen for a long, long time. So today, as I tell you this, you repent first, turn around, walk away, make that willful decision, and begin to believe that the things he's showing you is the truth because God won't show you a lie. He will not lie to you. He will not uh, forsake you. He will not uh, cause you to go a direction. God is perfect. You've got to believe that today. Whenever you see this thing that God's getting ready to show you, you have to believe it. That it's truth. And the name of this series is Amen. Amen, man, so be it. I believe that. So as God shows you today, you've got to believe it and trust it that God is at work in this, in this message. And lastly, you've got to confess. What's it mean to confess something? To confess something. paint the perfect picture of this, what does it mean if you go down and say say they caught you running 65 mile an hour in a 55. Earl's never done that, but Earl, you get caught for a 65 and a 55. You ever had that happen? Anybody ever had a speeding ticket? I want to see a raise of hand. Who's ever had a speeding ticket? There's a lot of speeding tickets in here. Okay, so you broke the law, didn't you? You broke the law. So whenever you broke that law, 
driving down the road too fast. They got a sign there that says 55. You're driving 65 because you don't care what the sign says. Following me? So I, I'm going to go how fast I want to go. I, I don't care what the state says. I don't care that there's ever uh, 6 million people in the state of Kentucky and they've got this that they think is how fast you're supposed to drive. They say everybody in Kentucky backs up that sign. That's the law of Kentucky. We vote on people to enact laws. That's the law of Kentucky, 55. I don't care what they say. I don't need 6 million people telling me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm driving 65. Now, they've got this person that they put this suit on that's got this badge Wears this hat. It's got a pistol on his side. It's got a nightstick on the other. It's got handcuffs right here. And they drive a car that's got lights on top of it. This person has authority to stop you from doing what the sign tells you not to. They have authority. Everybody say authority. Authority. That's what they have is authority. So this authority is there. And that authority is they pull up behind you, turn the lights on. Whenever the lights start flashing, you have to pull over. There's some people that decide not to, right? You And usually that ends up on TV. That's not good. You don't want to end up on TV as the person that tried to outrun the laws. It won't work. It don't happen very often that, it, that they get away. It just Your chances are not very good. So this guy turns the lights on. You, you see the lights. You pull over to the side of the road. He walks up. And he says, what's he say first? Do you know why I pulled you over? This isn't the moment you look up at him and say, no, no, I don't. Anybody ever tried that? They do this all the time. They do it for a living. They do this every minute of the day. They know what you're going to say. You, they don't want you to say, no, I don't know why he pulled me over. If you're speeding 65 and it's a 55, you know it. So usually you sit there and you say, yeah, I was speeding. Most honest people will. <laughs> yeah, I was speeding. You know what that is? Confession. It's confession. So to confess something is where you tell somebody, I'm guilty. turn around because I believe what God is telling me today and now when I confess it there's a freedom that comes there's a freedom that comes through confession the Bible says if you're if you'll confess to God he's faithful and he's just to forgive you of all your sins if you will confess to God He's faithful and he's just to forgive you of all your sins. Wouldn't it be amazing to live in a universe where the wherever you're driving 65 in a 55 and the cop pulls you over that you look up at him and he says, what'd you do wrong? And you're like, I confess, I was speeding. He's like, oh, that's okay. Just go on. You're forgiven. Every time. I'm not talking about the one time that you get lucky out of the hundred that they don't give you a ticket. I'm talking about every time you get pulled over, it's every time you look up at the window and you say, yeah, I was speeding. They says, oh, just for, you're forgiven. That's what the Bible says in this verse that God is. If you confess your faults and your sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins. 
today, I feel like some of us have got caught with this control issue. And the thing to do is not to sit there in the window when the cop comes up the window and says, hey, what, you know why I pulled you over? When the Holy Spirit stops by you here in a minute and says, you know why I checked your heart with this? It isn't a time to say, no, really didn't know why. <laughs> it's time to say, I'm guilty. God, you're showing me that I'm guilty of controlling other people. Maybe it's my spouse. Maybe it's my kids. Maybe it's my kids that's controlling me. Oh, me. It happens. Leslie controls Ernie. <laughs> she can call him at any time, any minute of the day. Daddy. That's, that, I've heard her, Ernie. She can sit there and look innocent all she wants. Where she says, Daddy, it's different. When she says, Hey, Dad. <laughs> yeah, hey, Dad, bring chicken salad. But if she says, Daddy, she's trying to get something from him. He, he's probably figured this out a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? Kids can manipulate dads. Earl, beware. That little night night that melts your heart when she's so sweet in that moment of it's because she's getting something. She's she's controlling and manipulating. You want to talk about youth pastor? When the kids are acting all innocent and perfect and woo. Something that they're controlling. <laughs> they're wanting the youth group to do this tonight. How many will honestly ask God to reveal truth to them today? Leslie, come and play. Will you pray and ask God, Holy Spirit, check my heart. Illuminate to me if I'm a control freak. Don't be like Peter and manipulate John to get something from Jesus. Let's all stand. Holy Spirit, you are actively searching our hearts in this place today. Lord, we know that you bring light to your word. Lord, that you reveal truth through your word. And God, I pray today as you've revealed this truth about controlling, about manipulation, Lord, about these improper attitudes, Lord, there's some people in this place, Lord, that we need an attitude check. Lord, I pray today that you would awaken our hearts, awaken our minds. Lord, that you would allow us to know that our spirit man is telling our hearts and minds right now, you're not doing as good as you should be. Lord, that your spirit is speaking through our spirit today and telling our hearts and minds, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Lord, as we come upon this resurrection season, Lord, this season of the year where we celebrate Easter, and Lord, we, we look to you as the resurrected Christ. Lord, that you bought our sins, that you, that you paid the price for our sins. God, I pray today that every person in this room, Lord, that they would see their life 
through your blood. And Lord, whenever we see that we have faults, that we have things hindering us, Lord, I pray for repentance in this place today. Lord, I pray for supernatural belief in this place today. Lord, that there's people in this room that will believe things that they didn't believe when they walked in. Supernatural in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray right now that there would be confession in this place. Lord, that there would be things where as you illuminate people's hearts to their self, Lord, that they would see that their fault and their failure, and Lord, that they would confess to you in this place today, and Lord, that they would ask you, Lord, for forgiveness of their sins. Lord, you said in your word that you would forgive them. You promised, God, in your word that you would forgive them if they confess, God, with their mouth. So, God, I pray as your Holy Spirit is working even now, Lord, this is a heart check moment for Bethesda. It's a checkup point right now. I want everybody here, just bow your head, close your eyes. I want to ask you this one simple question. Is there anybody here that will say, Pastor Ben, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. He's speaking to me and he's telling me to stop controlling others, to stop manipulating others. And the Holy Spirit is checking me right now. And I want to today to repent, to believe, and to confess that I want God to change me. I'm tired of living like this. I don't want to be like this anymore. Is there anybody here that will raise your hand and say the Holy Spirit is speaking to me? I want to repent. I want to believe and I want to confess that I don't want to. I don't want to control people anymore. Is anybody else? Hands in the air here today. Is anybody else? Holy Spirit, do your work. Lord, I pray that this message would resound in these people's ears for the remainder of this week. Lord, just as songs get stuck in our minds, Lord, I pray these words would get stuck in our minds, that we would remember all this week, Lord. Maybe it's a, a certain day of the week that we come in and we're aggravated and we've got a bad attitude at work. Lord, I pray that you would checkmate us right there, right then, and tell us that we need to stop doing what we're doing. Help us to be more servants. Help us to have a servant's heart. In Jesus' name. So everybody that raised their hand today, I want you just to pray this very simple prayer. And just say, God, I repent. I'm turning around. I'm walking the other way. And God, as I walk the other way, I believe you. I trust you. I know you're speaking to me today. And as you're speaking to me, I'm confessing, God, that I was wrong. That I've done some wrong things. I've had the wrong attitude. I've had the wrong mindset. And God, today, I'm confessing, Lord, and I'm trusting that you're going to forgive me of my sin. As you do this today, I know God is faithful. And if that's your prayer of your heart, I know you're going to walk out of here changed. You're going to walk out of this place changed today. I'm praying that attitudes change from prayers that was just made. I'm praying that people's demeanor would change. 
Lord, that you would go deeper than you ever have in our lives, God. God, change me from the inside out today, God. Lord, I confess today. Lord, I believe and I trust you, God. I repent today personally as the pastor of this church. Lord, I pray you change me from the inside out. Change my attitude, God. Lord, I ask you for humility. Clothe me in your humility, God. In Jesus' name.